You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we fed Dinesh D'Souza after midnight. My name is Kevin and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the Jason Statham who just has cable, not direct TV. Benedict! Box of 12 donuts. You got the random dozen. Which one are you picking? Oh man, I don't really know the donuts by flavor. I don't, I'm not, I... Okay, this but really look, you're looking me. into a box. You know, you, okay. you know a donut or so, two. Some form of like... The, 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 the question is formulated to get at what is your favorite donut? Either like a vanilla <laughs> vanilla glaze or some whoa, form whoa, of chocolate. Whoa, what? Vanilla yeah. glaze? Yeah. Are you shitting sure. me? I don't know. It's what is this nonsense? I literally never eat donuts. Oh. Yeah, but everyone has had donuts okay, in I their like lifetime. Okay, I like the one with the chocolate, but then like vanilla cream inside. How about you that? You mean like custard? Or sure, do you mean custard. like? Do you mean like custard, the custard? Custard, sure. I'm I'm asking. Do you mean like the whipped cream interior? Or no, do you mean no, like, like the custard. custard. Okay, like, yeah, like that custard. makes more sense. That's more sensible than this okay, nonsense good. you were saying good. before. I go for the maple bar. That's my okay. go-to. I love. I don't know what that is? It's it's just a maple flavored glaze on the top of the donut. Okay. And they, you know, usually like on a bar. I don't know why they don't usually do it on the round donuts, but usually they put the maple on the bars. And so it's, it's that's my go-to. Um, and, Question for you, though, mm-hmm. just going back to your joke at the start about the Jason Statham, which is, mm-hmm. I presume, just because I'm a bald British person. <laughs> yes. Is cable worse than DirecTV? <laughs> I feel like... I don't know. I should have expected that you wouldn't get the reference to the commercial (laughs) that they did. They had like a series of commercials with Rob Lowe. I don't know if you remember that at all. No. Where there were two Rob Lowe's and like the scrawny weird one was the Rob Lowe with cable. And then there's the regular Rob Lowe, which is the one with gotcha. DirecTV. And okay. I love that you have ruined my wonderful intro joke. That's much funnier now that you've explained it. me explain it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I think that was pre my time in America, to be fair. Yeah, it probably was. God damn it. You and my ruining my fucking jokes. Anyways. Yeah. Well, you got to write for your audience, man. I don't know what to tell you. This is true. This is true. This is the podcast where we toss aside the milk of human kindness for the... <laughs> Sour cream of human <laughs> regret and hatred that is... Leave, leave human kindness out in the sun too long and see what happens. <laughs> uh, right-wing uh, non-fiction literature. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a good one for this week. I'm going to leave it right there now that I'm thinking about uh, cream that's been left in the sun. Uh, Benedict, do you have a hot take for us this week? Hold on. Oh no, I'm still getting over the fermented milk of human kindness. Yeah. One yep. second. Yep. 
<laughs> okay, yes, I do. And I, it is the $200. Okay, I love candles. Yes, I know. $200 is too much for a candle. I don't care how I, big it is. I don't care who made it. Who the fuck I don't is care selling $200 candles? Joe Malone. I don't know who that is. It Joe sounds Malone, like a YouTuber. It's a fancy, like, UK. It okay. does sound like a YouTuber. I think it's a UK <laughs> store. It's, it's, it's is he also going to be fighting Floyd Mayweather in no, a couple it's months? Joe, Joe with an O. <laughs> Joe... Is he fighting Floyd, Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, fucking Jake Paul is no going to be fighting way. Floyd okay, Mayweather he's now. He's going to die. He's going to, yes, yes, that's what I tweeted. Breaking. Okay. Jake Paul to become first YouTuber killed in a boxing match. Yeah. That, okay, like, okay, that is... you fought an exhibition match against some random dude and won and yeah, did your whole little thing. He was thing. like a, a former pro athlete though, right? That he beat Yeah, but, but the other guy wasn't a boxer. No. We're talking about Floyd fucking yeah. Mayweather, former champion boxer. Jake Paul's much bigger though, right? I don't know. I don't care what size you are. Floyd Mayweather would be able to kill me. I don't yep. care who anyone is. You're not going to win against Floyd Mayweather unless you too have spent an entire career boxing. Yeah. You're just a and dead even man. then, unless you're much bigger than him, he's never lost to anyone the same no, size as he's him. He's that fucking good. Jesus Christ. He's also a dick. I hate him a lot. He is. He's um, a major dick. He's a major dick. Uh, he's no, he's no, um, uh, oh, fuck. Who's the guy that put out the rap record? Uh, was it Roy Jones Jr.? I think it was Roy Jones Jr., uh, who's another boxer, put out a record. We're like, there's a legit, there's legitimately one good song on whatever. I think, he, I don't know if he put out a whole album or if he just put out a couple songs. He legitimately had a song that was like on my, uh, my gym playlist for a while. <laughs> I, I would listen to it. I was like, ah, you know, this is catchy. This is catchy. I can get down with it. It's not bad. Okay, I, I, I don't want to talk about my hot take anymore. I want to talk about this instead. So, <laughs> Are we now talking about this? The show is now the pro athlete uh, music yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's right. No, but I was just going to so, say, uh, who is who's the, is it Chisora, the, the heavyweight boxer that was like, that for, um, there are a couple of heavyweights anyway that fought a couple of, like a year ago, I guess now. Mm-hmm. And they... Apparently, people like message them and are like, "How much do I have to pay you to get you to punch me as hard as you can one time?" <laughs> I know nothing about just, this, I, but I, I love this story. It but it's like that American that just has like a massive punch, like the heavyweight American. Are you who talking has, about? Like, so, punch. are you talking about the guy from the Jackass movie Butterbean, who they had punch Johnny? No, Knoxville? no, 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 no. Like an actual like. Yeah, heavyweight boxer who is like Mike Tyson I don't know man no no recently it's like I forget his name it's like I think he fought Chisora recently or he maybe fought Anthony Joshua recently anyway the trainers have to be like no absolutely and the, <laughs> because the boxers, the boxers like, would take the money sure why not yeah exactly <laughs> but apparently like they, they were saying the reason they have to say no is because people just don't know how to take a punch mm-hmm. and like if if a boxer, even when a boxer is like blindsided by a punch, they have the natural reactions to mm. like start swiveling their head yeah. so that it doesn't just like completely break everything. Yeah. But apparently normal people do not have the common sense to do that, even <laughs> even if they see the punch <laughs> coming. So they were like, the trainer was like, this, pu- like if you, t- th- he would kill you. Like actually you would die. <laughs> Yeah, like it's going to happen to J- uh, Logan Paul. Whatever the fuck his name is. Jake Paul, Logan Paul? I forget They're at this the point. They're the same person. I don't yeah, like that fucking guy true, anyway. I, true, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, total douchebag. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's my hot take, is that if you get punched by an actual boxer, you will die. Yeah, and candles are stupid. We got candles are, no, candles are great. 
Expensive candles are stupid. Okay. Anyway, you had a hot take? Yes! Uh, my hot take this week is just simply, I think a thing that we all know, most of our parents are wrong. Uh, wow, what a revolutionary <laughs> take that I've never heard before. Let me tell you, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin gave me shit for having an unoriginal take. <laughs> and so he, I, I am going to not okay. accept anything about his take, which is the most bullshit like you every generation thinks this my oh takes, is there gonna be a twist my takes Great. are lead-ins to discussions about my life because i good like to be stuff. relatable with the listeners and, you know stuff. let them know a little Let's bit about it. me it's giving them that inside look that people like ah uh, but anyways of course i have been uh, in contact with my parents recently which inspired the hot take benedict um, and of course, my mom is trying to convince me to fly all the way from D.C. to California for Christmas in the midst of a pandemic with skyrocketing rates of infection at yeah, the moment because everyone did that same thing for Thanksgiving. Also, isn't California on like actual lockdown now until Christmas? Yeah, yeah like uh, Governor Newsom just uh, put in some new restrictions. I don't know the, the whole of it because I don't live there anymore, so I, I wasn't keeping You're not allowed track of to it. merge households anymore. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on there. But my parents, in addition, are not being responsible about it at all. They just Good went stuff. to fucking Mexico a few weeks ago oh, on no. vacation and had other people over for Thanksgiving. And it's it's ridiculous. So I had to tell my mom that I'm not going for Christmas. And, of course, she uh, went into the hole, as you expect. You can just tell me if you just don't want to come. It's like, no, God damn it, Mom. It's not. I mean, it is a little bit that. Did, but no, it that? it's, it's also... It's mainly, A, I hate flying. So, yeah, there is a little bit of I don't want to come. But it's mainly, we're in the middle of a real fucking issue. I actually had to say to her at one point, Mom, I'm not going to argue with you about the fact that the deadly pandemic <laughs> is a deadly pandemic. Because she was going, you know, oh, you just got to wear a mask and do the stuff, which I know they don't do anyways. So, Eddie, your parents are wrong. Feel free to tell them that they're wrong, I think is what I'm trying to get across. Uh <laughs> With my hot take. Good stuff. Never feel afraid to tell your parents that they're wrong. But Benedict, let's move on a little bit. What's on your bookshelf for us this week? My bookshelf this week is not actually something I've read, to be honest, in its entirety. (laughs) But I feel like it's appropriate to the discussion that we're about to have. And that is the Mueller Report by Robert Mueller and his team, which serves to contradict pretty much everything that we're about to discuss in this chapter and let me just say i found uh that the book tour they did for the Mueller report was was in bad taste in bad taste mm, yeah, uh yeah. i agree give it a check um we're definitely going to be talking about a lot of stuff this week uh that relates directly to the Mueller report and you could basically just say the Mueller report uh, is a is itself um a counter argument to this entire chapter this, this week. week yeah yeah What's about you? What's on yours? For me this week, uh, I am recommending, rather than reading this pile of garbage, uh, check out another graphic novel, as I always like to recommend, comics and graphic novels, uh, Mouse by Art Spiegelman, one that we've talked about a little bit in the past and has entered into those ranks of classic graphic novels at this point. Um, and is a wonderful work, I have to say. It's, it's you know, one of the best out there. Um one of the only comics that I have read without pressure from me. Without pressure from me, yes. Uh, it is the, st- uh, the story uh, Art Spiegelman wrote about his parents' um, time in the Nazi concentration camps, uh, where the Jews are portrayed as mice and the uh, Nazis are cats and the Americans are dogs. It's, you know, a little bit allegorical. Uh, but it's a great read. It's really a fantastic work, and everyone should check it out. Yeah, I, I like it because of the the way it engages with the randomness of it all and mm-hmm. like he he's very aware that like his dad isn't like 
a person that deserved to survive because he was like a great person or whatever like it's completely random like so many good people died and other people survived like it was complete banality of evil stuff which is super yep. interesting i think of the of a, the son of a holocaust survivor to to approach and talk about and it's one of those ones that makes it always onto those you know 100 greatest books of the last century kind of stuff all those it's wonderful um make sure and check it out but anyways a little bit of housekeeping this week as always remember to rate it and review us on itunes if you haven't already follow us on the social medias uh, at NYGBC Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, the patron-only bonus episode for the month of November that we mentioned on the last show is now up. Uh, there was a little bit of delay in getting it up, uh, but uh, we've, we, you know, we, we always managed to get it up in the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> Aha! Uh. And we also want to say a special thank you to our brand newest patron, Megan Ruth. Hi! Thank you so much for joining up and supporting the show. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's Megan. Uh, it's M-E-G-H-A-N. I'm, I'm assuming it's not Meghan, uh, but I always no. want to pronounce it that Obviously way. It's not I, I know it's not. I, I'm 100% sure it's not, but I, <laughs> whenever I read Megan written that way, I always want to pronounce it Meghan. I have no idea why. And now we have just lost us a patron. But uh, thank you for joining up, Megan. Uh, and yeah. we look forward I, to I'd like to join. You. I'd like to join Keevan in, in extending our thanks. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. And with that out of the way, we return to our book review of The Russia Hoax by Greg Jarrett, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man's disappointing son. Benedict, he is puffy. Have you seen a picture of him? He's very... He is. I was just thinking that. He looks like a Rice Krispie. Yeah. (laughs) Very much so. But Benedict, what did we read this week? (laughs) Well, this week we read chapter 10, Obstruction of Justice, in which I, who loves books, even terrible, terrible, terrible books, almost didn't make it to the end of the chapter. I really almost gave up. It was a slog this week. It really was. I got to tell you, when I got to the last couple pages, I did have that, I just don't fucking care. I don't care about any of this because at that point he'd like this is it was a retreading of arguments we've heard so many fucking times and boring uh, legal analysis that just isn't relevant because his whole underlying premise is bullshit. Yeah, um, it, it, this one felt really dated just because I think we now know a lot of what oh yeah. his like convoluted argument that he yeah. makes is just wrong. And of course, so, this book did come out before the Mueller report, so yeah. you know there's that aspect to it. But you're right; it did very much feel like why. Why bother? Why bother with it at this point? But Some as you mentioned, should be an article, mm-hmm, or even you, you could argue this whole book should be a tweet, or maybe a five-minute uh, PragerU video. <laughs> <laughs> Which I should mention on the the patron-only bonus episode, we did uh, a review of a Ben Shapiro PragerU video, which I feel like uh, we're going to be doing more videos in the future, uh, especially since we're near the end of this book. And as I've mentioned before, when we get done with this book. Uh, you know, until we, we hit some more patrons, we're going to go on a modified schedule uh, where there will still be an episode every week. But in between brand new chapters, we're going to be doing some different stuff, stuff we've tried out over on the patron only, uh, like me reading opinion pieces to Benedict and him reacting. Uh, and now we've done this with the uh, the PragerU video. So I feel like doing some short videos and stuff will be a fun thing to do. So if you find anything, you think are you telling me we're going to be engaging with new ideas? <laughs> oh, we're definitely doing some Dave Rubin. <laughs> We're definitely doing some Dave Rubin. We might do his fucking stand-up. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Is, it, is his stand-up, I'm gay, that's the joke? Yes, that's his fucking stand-up, man. It's that bad. 
Um, but yeah, we're, so we're going to do, we're going to do all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. So keep your eye out for that. And if you see anything that you think might be fun for us to do, you can send it to me on the social medias or hit me up at the, uh, the, uh, email, uh, Kevin and Benedict at gmail.com. But Benedict back to chapter 10. Yes. Do you have an alternate chapter title for us this week? I do. It is being in the mafia is not a crime. I mean, I think it technically is. No, I don't. It depends. I don't do, think being do you do in the, the Rico? mafia is a uh, crime. Doing the mafia crimes is a crime. But well, just there being are in the, certain you know, organizations being that being man. a part of is a crime in and of itself, oh, really? like being part of a terrorist organization. But I don't think any of that uh, applies to mafia. I don't think the mafia, mafia is a terrorist organization. Yeah, right? I don't think it applies to any mafia organizations. But, also, uh, I love it when they still like find people that are in the mafia, and it's always that just like. The names of these people is always just like you couldn't even write these things. Like it's Joey <laughs> Salads. Like it's just like... Joey Salads. Pour some out for our boy Joey Salads. Uh, but it's so tough. yes, my alternate chapter title this week is "When the President Does It, It's Not Illegal." It was I just had to steal the Nixon <laughs> quote uh, because it's it, that's what this chapter is. He's yep. arguing that because the president did it, it's not obstruction of justice. Good stuff. So as he always does, he starts off the chapter with a quote, which is almost entirely irrelevant to the chapter. This one is from Justice Robert H. Jackson, H. Jackson in the case United States v. Wunderlich. You mean uh, this the, judge's middle name is not eight? Is that no, what you're telling No. He has eight middle names, though. Uh, but uh, the quote is, quote, Men are more often bribed by their loyalties and ambitions than by money. I would say that's probably not true. Nope. Uh, money probably uh, does a little bit more bribing. Well, I mean, people's ambitions are often money related also. So it's a bit, it's, you know, it's a power and money related. Yeah, thing. power and money. Power and money. Also, ironic quote to pick for when Trump asked Comey for loyalty. Yes. Like, truly, like, well done. Congratulations. A fact which he does not address in all of nope. his discussion of the Comey memos and what Comey and Trump discussed in <laughs> yeah, their Yeah, we're going to have to change the name of this podcast to, like, what the right didn't engage with this week. Like, <laughs> Basically. So he starts off this chapter with the quote, There is nothing wrong with ambition, but ambition without character or principles is what turns good men into bad men. And it's another one of those cases where it's like, okay, who are you writing about here? I, I, yeah. You got to remind me. Wait, there I remember is, whose There book is I'm nothing wrong now. with ambition. For example, I wrote this shitty book <laughs> to try and rise up in the right wing ecosphere. I'm and I still just barely get people. on Fox News twice a week. They won't even give me my own show. <laughs> Despite the Wi Fi companies consistently cutting out my Wi Fi yeah. and stopping me from filing <laughs> articles when I want to. I look forward to Greg Jarrett's new One American News Network. I got to find out what Greg Jarrett sounds show. like so I can start doing an impression of him. It's, oh, it's getting late in the book. He just sounds got, like a boring got, guy. A boring I've got Ruben and Shapiro down, I think. I'm going to have to start doing other ones. You're going to have to learn a few. But so this, of course, this entire chapter is about the case for obstruction of justice against Donald Trump and James Comey. And James Comey, as you can imagine, is the major target of this chapter because mm. he's a leaker and a liar, as we know. So but what what's puzzling to me, and I just want to start off with this, this reflection or, or this uh, what I've noticed, they are able to turn someone who, to me, is just a fucking goofball and, like, they describe him as a Boy Scout. Yeah, he looks like a goofball Boy Scout, and that's how he yeah. acts, how he talks. No, he just looks like he never stopped growing. 
Yeah. But also his face didn't age. So he's but like tra- also, he's like a 15-year-old trapped in a six foot ten man's body. Like, but also mannerisms and the way he talks and the things he does. But Jarrett twists that and or ignores it, I think, rather, and just paints this picture of the most evil, vile, decrepit creature you could imagine who's just out to get everything for himself. When there's no reason to suspect that about James no. Comey. Uh, he's fine. I kind of dislike him, honestly, just because, uh, you know. Because of the fuck-ups. Yeah. yeah. He's a big fuck-up. Many, fuck many fuck-ups. He's a big fuck-up. My favorite thing about this first page, I have to say, is when he's like, Comey's unchecked ambition is what led to his demise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude was FBI director in the fourth year of a 10-year term. Uh-huh. What do we think this ambition was an attempt to lead to? Like, where was mm-hmm. he going from there? He wanted to be president! <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, but see, I mean, where do you go from, like, b- from being FBI director and six years before your term is up? Like, what right. do you think is happening here? <laughs> and we are talking about a guy who has had, like, he's been in top positions in the U.S. government for the last 15 years, Wasn't it his basically. second term as FBI director? I don't remember if it was his second term or if he was, like, deputy AG before that. I don't remember his career off the top of my head, and I didn't I pull it up he, and put it in my notes. I thought he was high up in the FBI when Bush was trying yes. to... he was uh, high up in the FBI. Remember, there's the whole story about him racing to uh, his boss's deathbed and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so I think he was deputy then, and yep. then he was trying to... Anyway, whatever. I think it was his second term as head of the FBI, but I'm not sure. So don't I don't think so. Know. I think it might have been his first term. But either way, it doesn't matter, because you are correct. What the fuck is that ambition he could be talking about? Maybe remaining as FBI director, which all would have happened if he had done what Trump wanted? So I don't understand what this is, what this could possibly be about that, that Greg Jarrett is claiming is that ambition. You're 100% right there. But all this comes down to the fact that Comey is the one who leaked those documents that ended up appoint- with the appointment of Robert Mueller to investigate Trump for the whole Russian collusion investigation, which then ended in the Mueller report. So we begin with the first subsection, which is entitled Trump did not obstruct Flynn case. There should be a fucking the in between obstruct and Flynn. Fuck you, Jared. It's oh. a, you weren't short of page space. You could have put the in there. Can I just quickly point out, and this is going to come up later in the chapter, mm-hmm. that he writes around Comey's dismissal magnificently <laughs> yes. in the sense that, so he says, uh, his superiors at the De- Just- Department of Justice eventually condemned his actions. So he's talking about the Rosenstein memo mm-hmm. in which he was fired yeah. or the justification given for firing him. He said they found that he, quote, flattered rules and deeply ingrained traditions and guaranteed that some people would accuse the FBI of interfering in the election. Right. And then there's a footnote to out where where to that. Uh, it's like an Axios piece that's like Rosenstein's statement to Congress. But what he neglects to mention and what he wants you to think when he writes that is that he put a thumb on the scale on behalf of Hillary Clinton. Yes. What Rosenstein actually said was he shouldn't have said anything (laughs) because it was unfair to Hillary Clinton for him to interfere in the election in that way. Right. Right. So there, there is a there is a beautiful lack of context there where it's actually not at all what he he wants his audience to think he's saying, which is that. Comey was biased on behalf of Clinton and what he was actually fired for, because I remember this shocked me at the time, was being unfair to Hillary yeah. Clinton. Yeah. And Trump was like, he's very unfair to Hillary Clinton. He's very, <laughs> very unfair. 
Very unfair to Well, kids. remember back to the last chapter, what he talked about with regards to, to Comey, that little bit at the end there and all of that. He talked about the Hillary Clinton investigation and how Comey came out and said, there's no crime here. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants to tie together for the snowball of inferences. Well, it was that action... But he so he said there is no crime here, like it was careless, whatever. But it was that action that cleared, quote unquote, cleared Clinton that was also seen as unfair to her because, like, if there was no crime, then he shouldn't have said anything, right? And it just shouldn't have been prosecuted. Like, he shouldn't have even drawn attention to the fact, is what he he was dismissed for. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, it's all bullshit. It doesn't fucking matter. So he starts off this argument about how Trump didn't obstruct the Flynn case, discussing the meetings between Comey and Trump in the White House. And the first one we're going to talk about is the meeting after that uh, intelligence meeting, right? So um, there's a meeting that goes on in the White House. Everyone leaves except for Comey, who is asked to stay and talk to Trump. Mm. And during that meeting... Notably, Comey, when normal legal things happen. Mm-hmm. And during that meeting, according to Comey, that's when Trump asked him or talked to him about... Uh, Michael Flynn and said to the effect of, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. And that's the direct quote. He is mm-hmm. a good guy. I hope you can let this go, was the quote. Right. And so we're going to get into, what is it, like eight pages eight of discussing pages. how he's a good guy. I hope you can let this go doesn't count as obstruction. Yeah. Because that's what that's what Jarrett wants to focus on in this yeah, chapter. Yeah. And when also, I mean, we should say it is literally the guy saying, Hey, nice shop you got here. Would be a shame if someone lit a match on some petrol outside it and it burned to the ground. That would be a real shame. I hope that doesn't happen to you. Yeah. So I'm not going to read the full quote from Comey's testimony, which is a big block quote in this book. I will read what Jarrett said about it next, which is, quote, Comey's story of what Trump is supposed to have said was contained in a memorandum composed by the director. After he was fired, he arranged for it to be delivered secretly to the New York Times. Comey did not want to leak it himself, so he gave his memo to a friend, a law professor, with instruction mm-hmm. that it be surreptitiously conveyed to the media. And I will say, uh, last episode, I think last last episode of this book, um, I did misstate and say that he had given those to Ben Wittes. Ben Wittes was uh, who he talked to and went and talked to the Washington Post and was the source on their article. Um, the memos were given to a law professor at Columbia who gave them to That's the New York right. Times. So there were two two uh, outlets there that were involved, and I just mixed them up. Yeah, he also then accuses him of being like, oh, he was too scared to leak them himself. Like, what does he think him giving them to this dude <laughs> That's is? leaking, man. Yeah, that's... It, yeah. <laughs> Like, who else could have leaked that? Like, I, it, I don't know. But he says next, quote, a little ways further down, quote, he offered an astonishing explanation for his motivation. He did it for the sole purpose of triggering the appointment of a special counsel in a blatant effort to manipulate the legal process against Trump. And again, that's all framing. That's all framing. Yes, he may have wanted an investigation because, again, this all came, and, and remember, this all came after the firing and a bunch of other events, not yeah. just immediately after the meeting in the White House with Trump and Comey. This came after a lot of other shit, a lot of which Jarrett doesn't even talk about, mm. as you, you've mentioned many times, doesn't even address in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah, I... I I have to say, I went back and read the um, some of the stuff, like, and the firing letter mm-hmm. as well, and just, like, some of the stuff that I had forgotten had happened, like Trump saying in his letter, while I appreciated you telling me three times oh, that I God. am not under investigation. I forgot about that <laughs> shit. Fuck. 
Which again, Jared so does funny. sort of touch on that. But again, that's another act which is is problematic by Trump, right? The fact that he was trying to get someone to make a statement on his behalf that would have helped him politically. Like that's yeah. another fucking problem that Jared does not want to address. But he does address it in like a paragraph and sort of frame it in the how dare he not do what the president wanted him to aspect yeah. of it, not not even caring about any of that. But he says next, and I'm, I'm reading this because it's the snowball of inferences crystallized now. But wait, what investigation? When Comey met with Trump, the director already knew that Flynn had told the truth when he was investigated, when he was interviewed by FBI agents in January. The investigation should have been closed. And that is where the snowball of inferences is completely crystallized at mm. this point. Because we learned in the last chapter, and maybe the one before that a little bit too, there was nothing wrong with Flynn. He didn't do anything wrong based on all of those if statements. Which is why he has now been pardoned for crimes that he admitted to. Yep, cool. (laughs) And is now, oh man, just in the last couple days, he's been doing some weird shit online, right? With with regards to the election. Uh, He's been doing some weird shit online for a long time, Kevin, I don't know. (laughs) It's just weird to see someone who was that high up in our government just... Just fully lean into QAnon, yeah. Yeah, and someone who wasn't part of the Trump circle, um, that, ex- you know, like, he was in government before Trump, right? He wasn't someone who Trump brought into government. He's not yeah, one of he these wackadoos who Trump, yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone who was in government before and, uh, you know, we just never heard from because it's someone who's just, you know, doing whatever they do. Uh, it's so weird to see someone like that now being their true self out loud, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So he next says, quote, why wasn't Comey honest and forthright with telling with Trump by telling him that Flynn had largely been cleared by his agents of any wrongdoing? And the answer to that is, of course, because he hadn't been. Yeah. And also because presumably the FBI doesn't have to brief the president on an ongoing investigation, which, yeah, which could potentially involve him. Yeah. So. We get now this paragraph, which I'll read in its entirety, because it lays out, I think, some interesting things about Jarrett's thinking. So I'll read it in his quote. Comey's unconscionable deception leaves three possibilities. First, there never was a conversation with Trump about the fired NSA, meaning Comey invented it to harm Trump. Second, Comey embellished his account of what was said. Or third, there was a discussion about Flynn facing legal jeopardy, but Comey concealed the fact that Flynn had done nothing that violated the law. In each case... Comey appears to have been dishonest. And it's that third one, right? That third one's the only one that's, I think, realistic, uh, because Trump has basically even acknowledged that the conversation happened. Um, But the third one there, again, relies upon the snowball of inferences, the fact that Jarrett has already cleared Flynn of any wrongdoing, Um, but is also the one that is still the closest to truth, I think. Yeah, option four, Flynn had done some bad shit. And Trump asked Comey to have him expunge it. Option four, Comey didn't lie. Everything he said was correct. Yeah. Right. And then we get a, you know, citation to a Trump tweet as proof that uh, none of this happened, of course. Uh, The tweet being, quote, I never asked Comey to stop investigating Flynn. Just more fake news covering another Comey lie, which came like eight or nine months after the information about all this broke. It was just like a random angry tweet one day, as we are used to with this. And God, I got to say, I'm going to be so fucking happy in 40 whatever days from now when we finally get presidential statements that aren't, that don't have a fucking little cartoon bird next to them. (laughs) I just, all I want is put, put them on some fucking White House letterhead. I don't even need the president to stand in front of the nation and say something. Just put it on some fucking letterhead and type it out. Do you think Twitter will ban him? 
I'm I am very curious about that because they have said that he won't have the special treatment he's been getting. And yeah. a lot of his stuff is stuff that I think would get other people banned. Um, so it depends on how crazy he continues to be. And I think there's no doubt he will continue to be crazy on Twitter. It's like, how close will he get to inciting violence, yeah. right? How many times will he tell the Proud Boys to stand by and whatever, all that kind of shit? Yeah. I don't think they'll ban him for all his election screeching, that the election they was really a lie and all that. probably should, because that is potentially inciting violence as... Yeah, I don't think it's direct enough for them to justify banning them because you got to remember Twitter uh, as as shitty as social media is. Twitter has been the most responsible of all the terrible, irresponsible social media companies. That's not to say they're good, but they have been the best towards the whole Trump situation and all the nonsense that's going on. Still a ton more they need to do, obviously. But, like, they're still worried about, you know, fucking Republicans uh, hitting, you know, dragging them into Congress and making them, uh, you know, give statements all day long. All this sort of stuff that they've basically been forced to do throughout the entire Trump term many times. Mm. I mean, how many times has fucking Jack Dorsey been before Congress already? Just in the last four years. What, like five times? Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. They just want, because they're turning it into a media theater. Um, so I think they're worried about that kind of shit, and I think if they banned Trump without something substantial, they'd be in for a world of nonsense that would just, they don't want to have to fucking deal with. So, we get now. should just ban them all, to be honest. He should, ban like, next all. time he gets called in for a hearing, he should just, like, start <laughs> banning them live. Just be like, just fuck be like, you, it's oh, my you, site. Do you, Ted, want, you want to know what hey, actual... Ted, how you doing? <laughs> you tweeted about Parler the other day. You got your, you got your profile on Parler? Okay. You're done on Twitter. Good I hope stuff. you enjoy Bye-bye. Parler with all your white supremacist friends on there. Have fun, Bye-bye. buddy. Have fun. Uh, so we get to the first step in his legal argument now uh, about obstruction. And he starts off by giving us the text of 18 U.S.C. 1505, which Can is... Can you hear me, I'm really like... <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. And this is uh, part of the U.S. Code that defines obstruction of justice, and it is, quote, whoever corruptly, dot, 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 influences, obstructs, or impedes, or endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the due and proper administration of the law under which any pending proceeding is being had before any department or agency of the United States, dot, 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 shall be fined under this title, imprisoned not more than five years or both. I did, of course, pull up the entire thing, and basically what he deleted there with those uh, dots is, is not relevant. It has okay. to do with congressional uh, inquiries, and just not relevant here. It doesn't really matter. The next section he cites, because he now needs to define corruptly, because that's what he's going to hinge his argument on, is 18 U.S.C. 1515b, which is, quote, As used in section 1505, the term corruptly means acting with an improper purpose personally or by influencing another, including making a false or misleading statement or withholding, concealing, altering, or destroying a document or other information. Now, Benedict, you've read this chapter already, obviously. Which part of that does he hinge on? I mean, kind of all of it. <laughs> there's no so, doc. He's like, there's no documents. There's no like. Right, he's, like right. There's no documents being destroyed. But so also, he uses like, the fact that those specific examples that are given in the statute have not been done in this case. But yeah, I would point it, out it, that it, that it word says there including, is including. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, that is not an exclusive statement. It's corruptly including these things among others. So his his analysis that we're going to go on for pages here. That he didn't make a false statement or withhold documents or destroy any documents, so therefore no obstruction is fucking bullshit. Yeah, 
The other thing, okay, so you're more of a legal language person than I am, mm-hmm. obviously, but I am an English language person. Mm-hmm. And the, like the way I read this, does the, the, does the corruptly, and I, I don't know how this works, the corruptly, does that apply to the second verb as well? Which was, what, what second so, verb are you so, Sorry, about? the second like clausal verb. So whoever corruptly influences, obstructs, or impedes, fine. Does the corruptly also imply to endeavors to influence and obstruct yes. or impede? Yes, it does. It does. Yes, okay, it does. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Even still, you could, that that is an even lower barrier of entry of like corruptly endeavoring to do something. Right. Like, and, and you just th- had to try. Like right. you didn't, like. And that what word he did, what it, he did, could easily have influenced uh, Comey to end an investigation or. So the the endeavor there is is more than enough for this to hinge on, in my non legal opinion. Yeah. And so the 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 definition we should use for corruptly, better than what Jared's going to rely on, the better definition of corrupt to use is acting with an improper purpose, personally or by influencing another. So that's it. And if you just look at the facts of everything that's happened, yes, he had an improper purpose, ending the Flynn investigation and prosecution. That's it. That's all we need by influencing James Comey. That was that's it. He acted corruptly. Um, yeah. It's very simple to me. I don't know why Jarrett's going to spend pages doing headstands, trying to pretend that that's the it's not the case. Uh, I mean, I do know why he does it, but yeah, <laughs> you understand what I mean. Yeah. So I, I mean, it, it's all very boring. Um, my favorite bit of it is when he provides an example of what might have uh, constituted whatever yes. obstruction yes. and he says by contrast if the president had said bury whatever incriminating inv- evidence you might have exonerate flynn and end the investigation of him entirely or you are fired mm-hmm. okay the first part of that clause up to exonerate him entirely that's kind of what he said he was like <laughs> i need loyalty and i hope you can find a way to end this investigation and then when comey didn't do that he fired him so that's the second part of the clause or you are fired or he did yep. fire him. That is exactly what happened. So, like, I don't understand where we're finding the difference here. It, the, because there is... Because Jarrett pretends that there's no such thing as an implication. Yeah. That's what as it is. As a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. He pretends Mon- Monty that, Python yeah. would be horrified. He pretends that all the 80s mafia movies where everyone's, you know, pr- trying to use different language and not say everything explicitly, as though that actually works in real life. When it very yeah. clearly doesn't. Right? No. So, I mean, he does. It's like the, the Stringer Ballet. You're taking notes on a fucking criminal conspiracy. like Right. And he says uh, further, you know, about a page later, he says that Comey, when he was giving testimony uh, to, to the Congress, said that he couldn't name any case because someone asked him, Senator Risch asked him if he knew of any cases where anyone charged was charged for hoping something. I, for hoping something. Which is that bu- fucking, well, I just said I hoped it. I didn't think it would actually happen. You know what I mean? Ah, bada bing, bada boom. I only also, hope. Also, I mean, you know, I can very easily think of someone saying, I hope this shot I'm about to fire kills you. Then firing the shot and it killing the person. I could see that, that or even it not killing the person. You could probably get attempted murder for that <laughs> if somebody said well, that. It's simpler than that. The fact that Comey wasn't able to name a case while he's sitting there before Congress of a question someone had randomly asked him he didn't have fucking lexus or westlaw open in front of him when he was testifying to congress which is what we use as attorneys to look this shit up i can name such a case united states v colin 
uh, in which the, or Colin McDonald, uh, in which the uh, individual was convicted for saying, quote, I hope and pray to God you did not say anything about a weapon when you were in Iowa, because it will make it worse on me and you, even if they promise not to prosecute you. It's not always true. I would hate to see you go to jail. He didn't say, he didn't, didn't tell anyone to do anything in that statement. He just said he hoped nobody would, that he didn't say anything about a gun. He just hoped it. Come on. Come on. There's also Be like reasonable. an, Adam Liptak, who's a reporter uh, at the New York Times. Um, he also has like a, a thread on Twitter from, I found from way back when this happened, uh, where like people were just replying, like attorneys were replying to it with cases that they had found where someone had been convicted by saying, I hope. So, like, you can go look that up if you want to. But, yeah, there's plenty of cases where someone saying, I hope, ends up in a conviction because implications are real, Jarrett. They are very real. And we understand in the English language uh, how things work. <laughs> Good stuff. So we move on. And, and there's, there's, again, so little to say in this chapter because the underlying premise, as we've said, is all fucking wrong. Flynn was, in fact, guilty of something, uh, and obviously now just took a pardon for it. So that premise, that there was no investigation into Flynn, right off the bat, false. And that's one of the arguments he's going to use. He's going to say later on that, well, you can't obstruct an investigation where there's no crime. That's completely false. Of course you can, because an investigation is ongoing. And even if they haven't found a crime, when you try to obstruct it, you can still commit a crime by obstructing it. Yeah, it doesn't mean they weren't going to find one if you hadn't ordered them to stop. That's why the, the, uh, the, it's not called obstructing a crime thingy. It's called <laughs> obstructing an investigation. That's what it is. Yeah, obstruct- it's not obstructing a prosecution. It's obstructing an investigation, yeah. Right. Um, God, this chapter's so fucking boring. I might just leave that in, me saying, God, this chapter's so fucking boring. <laughs> Well, he then so he, he he then gets on to of course we've got the obligatory Alan Dershowitz reference. Yep, we got a Dersh quote. Good, good stuff. Got to have a Dersh quote in there, and then he moves on to try and like squint and see that something oh, Obama did was the same. He works so fucking hard to try and <laughs> pigeonhole Obama into having done anywhere close to the same thing that Trump did. And the example he... Well, there's two examples he uses. One is much more ridiculous than the other. But the first example he uses uh, is when President Obama was interviewed on Fox News and was asked about Hillary Clinton and the uh, her handling of classified documents in which he said she was careless, but said that she didn't jeopardize national security. He says that is the same. He says, this is the quote, this was a thinly disguised (laughs) statement to the FBI and the Justice Department that he did not want her to be prosecuted. He did not (laughs) hope or wish that she be cleared. And in Jared's eyes, that is even more clearly a case of obstructing justice. (laughs) Bizarre. Being asked a question on Fox News. And answering it. (laughs) And answering it. Yeah, cool. Good stuff. That is so fucking ridiculous. It boggles my mind. And then this next, uh, just a, a paragraph later, he says, quote, Right on cue, Comey reacted to Obama's statement as the president surely intended. The director adopted Obama's argument in nearly identical language when he announced that Clinton had been extremely careless, but had not intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information. Comey acceded to the president's wishes, yet never once did Comey explain that Obama was interfering in or obstructing a potential prosecution, although the president's intent that the case be dropped can plainly be inferred from his words. Are you fucking shitting me, Jarrett? 
You have to be. You you cannot be that dumb. I refuse well, okay, to believe that Greg dumb, Jarrett is, is that dumb. It, I mean, it, it's like, oh, I can see conspiracies and everything the other side does, but I can't see them when they're right in front of my face. Well, I go back side, and but... I go back and forth between thinking that the people we are reading that they believe the words that they're saying or that they're pursuing an, an agenda and just bullshitting. I go back and forth on that all the time because. I think at some point, if they say these things long enough, they do start to believe them. Oh, that's so definitely I, a phenomenon. Yeah. So I, I just, maybe he didn't when he wrote the paragraph. But I think by now, what, two, three years after this book has been published and all his fucking appearances on Fox News and all the dumb shit he's done, he absolutely fucking believes it. And, and so possible. I'm going to treat him as though he believed it when he wrote it, because that's the easiest way for me to make it through these books, rather than trying to litigate in my mind every time whether they actually believe shit or not. It's wild. It, it's all completely like, I, I can't believe that the lengths did not see what Pretzel himself into. <laughs> To be like, Obama did something worse, but then also be like, and actually, like, if you look at what Trump said, you know, if you believe him word for word, then he did nothing wrong. So I don't think that needs any further investigation. Yeah. And then so he does backtrack on that a little bit where he says, if Obama didn't obstruct justice, neither did Trump, because according to him, under the First uh, First Amendment, both are entitled to express their opinions about cases. And that is true. Barack Obama was perfectly in his right to express his opinion about a case. The difference is when you're saying it to the FBI director who is directly overseeing that case. Having asked everyone else to leave the room so that there would be no witnesses. Yes. Yes, of course. As opposed to on live TV with Fox News. Like, these are slightly different. And this is where we get into the argument that when the president does it, it's not illegal, right? So this is where we get into, and I I mentioned this phrase to you earlier, the unitary executive theory, um, which you didn't, you were unfamiliar with. But this is basically the argument he's going to be going on here. And the unitary executive theory is basically a legal theory that the president has absolute and complete control and authority over everything in the executive branch, and nobody has a check on his power over the executive branch whatsoever. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. It's a very scary theory. <laughs> yes. You have to tell me tell me more about it because yes. it seems bad. Well, for example, and, and so he does bring up, right, that presidents have the right to, uh, in, in the broader respect, uh, instruct the DOJ into what sort of things they should be pursuing. And that is correct. That's absolutely correct. And the example he gives is President Obama, um, his executive action that created DACA. That mm-hmm. shielded uh, undocumented uh, young people from prosecution and deportation, um, which is an objectively good thing for one thing, but is a perfectly legal use of the executive power, right? Because that's a policy goal. He's directing a policy goal. So he's not telling, you know, he's not going, okay, bring me the case files to the Oval Office. I'm going to review them and decide if I like, if this guy's a, a fan of a soccer team I don't like, then we're going to deport that guy. Also, uh, not for nothing, but like Obama wasn't an undocumented immigrant when he made that rule, which right. is the, the actual comparison point of like, oh shit, the DOJ is coming for me, better make it legal. Like, 
obviously undocumented. Right. He had no direct connection to exactly. the case that was at question, which exactly. is another huge thing Jarrett doesn't want to talk about as far as all this goes. And of course, he's already told us in this book that their whole Russia investigation was a hoax. The name of the book, duh. Uh, unless, but... unless Jarrett here is literally going full Bertha and believing that Barack Obama was not born oh, in the United States. That is Maybe what I choose to believe. That is what I choose to believe about Greg Jarrett. Uh, and if he can choose to believe all the shit he says in this book, I can choose <laughs> to believe that. So yes, he goes on for a little while about how the president has this absolute authority and ability to do anything he wants. Um, and then we get to the next subsection, which is entitled, Firing Comey Was Not Obstruction of Justice. Yes. Yes, it was. And this is where he digs deeper into that <laughs> unitary uh, executive theory, where he says, quote, The president is constitutionally authorized to fire any political appointee in the executive branch of government. They report to him and serve at his pleasure. Yeah, and that's which is true, right? But there are norms true. around these things. like Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I want to highlight. And what I want to flash back to a little period in U.S. history known as the Watergate investigation. Oh, never heard of it. Do you want to expound on that? It's, it seems like the it's Benedict, known. You may have been familiar that there were a couple of individuals involved with a break-in in a building okay, here okay. in D.C., a beautiful, beautiful hotel complex uh, here in Washington, D.C., which I've, I've been to on several occasions, called the Watergate Hotel. Okay. Uh, and there was this guy. His name okay. was Dick. His name was Dick okay. Nixon. He was uh -huh. uh, what you may call president of the United States. Okay. Uh, and he was in some ways connected to this issue. Okay, but I presume he just like told the truth and cleared it all up and said, look, they did break in. And, you know, I may have ordered them to do that, but you know what? You know, it, it's bad, but it's not bad enough to end my presidency. So I'm sorry. I'll be here another three years. I presume that's how it went. I hate to disappoint you, oh, but no. not exactly the way it went. There was okay, an okay. investigator appointed in that case okay. to, to figure all this stuff out. And um, at one point, that president, Mr. Dick, uh, decided he didn't like that investigator, perhaps okay, because he was good. getting a little close, a little <clears throat> close to a couple things, um, decided he wanted that guy gone. Okay. Uh, and it just so happened there were a couple people who said, eh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy who gets put into a, every American history book ever. Um, and they said no. And so those guys got fired. But they were and political was this, appointees. Was this considered some kind of mass exodus or, you know, so did it have like a snappy name? A, a massacre, if you will. A, I got a massacre. Okay, okay. Okay, Perhaps okay. a, a let's just say I don't know. Was it day, was like, it on a particular day of the week? I want to say Saturday, like like late early evening? Little, like day, like let's say okay. like late afternoon, maybe Good evening, stuff. right? So like, okay. Saturday maybe like night. Saturday night, maybe. Yeah, Saturday night. Let's okay. say Saturday okay. night. Yeah, yeah. Saturday, Saturday night. night Live. This was actually the first episode of Saturday <laughs> Night Live. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, no, Nixon no. being like, yeah. "I hate you. Get out." <laughs> the Saturday Night Massacre. Uh, of course, where several individuals uh, were ordered to fire Special Ar Prosecutor Archibald Cox. Uh, and of course, at first, AG Elliot Richardson uh, refused and resigned immediately because nobody gets fired um, from from uh, those political appointments. They no, you're resign. politely asked to resign. Yeah, yes. you hand in your letter, you resign. Um, and then the deputy AG, then who was you know the next person there, uh, William Ruckelshaus, uh, was told by Nixon to fire Archibald Cox, and uh, and he didn't do it. He didn't do it, so he also resigned. Uh, and then the third most senior person, uh, the Solicitor General in the Justice Department, uh, a person you may have heard before, a guy named Robert Bork. Uh, yes. He was ordered to fire, and he did it. Robert ah. Bork, <laughs> the, Good stuff. the guy who Republicans are still mad at, who we didn't put on the Supreme Court. 
<laughs> when he, he was it. the guy he, who he fucking did it, who fucking fired yep. Cox. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, he finally fucking did it. So that whole that whole example, the reason I bring up that obscure piece of American history for you, Benedict. <laughs> Is to establish that yes, you are correct. Was that was it? Was it called Watergate Gate? <laughs> because you know how we add uh, gate to all the scandals. Yeah, 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 exactly. Watergate Gate. Uh, so the reason I bring that up is because that's where these fucking norms come from. <laughs> and what Jarrett doesn't address at all in this chapter is the attempts to fire Robert Mueller, which were a big fucking issue that came after. Right? Because we're not there yet. He may talk about it some in the last chapter. Right? I don't expect he will spend a lot of time because he he does call it an illegitimate appointment. That's the title of the last chapter. Yeah. And I haven't, I purposefully have not read it yet because I want to save that excitement for as long as I possibly can. Also, because I literally can't read more than thirty pages of this without falling asleep. It's right. Physical. This is true. This is true. Uh, but so right, these these sort of fucking norms about removing political appointees. It goes not just to trying to remove the the special counsel, but the fact that he was trying to remove Comey when there were these investigations going on is very reminiscent of Saturday Night Massacre type stuff that could mm-hmm. happen and stuff we very much want to avoid. And that I, I suspect um, if we had a sane government that wasn't stocked with nut bar Republicans um, could possibly lead to an impeachment when someone is trying to affect an investigation and firing everyone who gets in their way. Because regardless of what you think about whether there needs, I, I mean, some people think there needs to be an actual written codified law that's broken to impeach. Um, and I'm more on the abuse of power side of things, that it has to be an abuse of presidential power, not so much specifically breaking a law. Uh, but I think generally you can agree, most of us can agree, right-thinking people, that when you use your power in that way to specifically affect uh, a policy outcome that's related to you and your your own ideals and your own um, outcomes, that's reason for impeachment. So mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit. And that goes back to why I don't give a shit about his analysis of whether the specific statute about obstruction of justice was violated. Because in general, colloquial terms, he obstructed fucking justice. Yeah, it's to to the layman's understanding, which I know is not the legal object of the law, but like when it's about norms and and whether we're breaking norms and potentially breaking them, because you can't prosecute the president, right? Or there is a norm that you can't prosecute the president that came, that was a DOJ memo during the Nixon administration, right? So that is something that we pretend exists as a real thing just because it's a thing that we we put in place at the time you know again the law can change at any time really like we can just decide what the law is that is my fundamental opinion about the law i've got a bit derailed at this i <laughs> have been reading too somewhere. much ben shapiro oh, those I positivists have. that ben shapiro talks no i've been about. yeah i've been reading too much of the french <laughs> the rights of man and the french constitution yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So ultimately we decide what the law is because it's people's rule uh so there we go Yep, That's there we go. the end of my point. There we go. So, I had a point there somewhere. Somewhere. I'm not sure where it was, but it was yeah, somewhere it in there. Whatever. Uh, point That's gate. Fine. We're talking about point yeah. gate. We're going to find out where that point is. <laughs> so, uh, as we said, we're, we're now talking about the firing of Comey. And he goes on with just a couple pages of just what happened timeline-wise. Um, it's and, a weird transcription of, like, a very short part of the interview with Lester Holt that Trump yes. did. He, al- he, he was always like, does the shortest bits. The shortest bits of quotations from things yeah. as possible. Because everything around that generally not very good. So yeah, yeah he, and he does. Bring, he, he deigned to include. I'm a big fan of the FBI. I love the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> as part of the key bit that he decided to quote. 
Of course. And as we know, saying you love the FBI, just uh, uh, how can you possibly commit a crime then? If you love the FBI, yeah. how could you possibly have done anything wrong? A guy whose entire vocabulary is 90% the word love and great. Um, so, yes, this is all about the firing of Comey. He says the ink was barely dry on the letter when the president's critics began assailing the move as a clear case of obstruction of justice. Uh, and yes, a lot of people did start saying right then and there, this is an obstruction of justice. And I tend to agree that they were probably correct. Uh, but then we get to a bunch of stuff with hearings before the Congress and uh, Washington Post reports uh, that the president had tried to intervene in the Russia investigation, which we most certainly know are true, thanks to the Mueller report, but he <laughs> pretends it's fake news in here. <laughs> and he does cite two individuals, uh, Mike Rogers and Dan Coates, uh, as individuals who said they had never been uh, pressured to interfere with anything. Notably, they are That's not sad. James Comey. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, not the person being talked about here in yes. any way. But then, as you said, we do get to the Lester Holt interview. And this is something that he has to bring up because Trump did basically say there that he fired him because of the Russia stuff. Yeah, he, he dropped a bollock here, to use a, to use an English expression, a, a yeah. British expression. And he doesn't even do a very good job of hand-waving away what he said in the Lester Holt interview, where no. Jarrett says, quote, Trump emphasized that he intended to fire Comey regardless of the recommendation by Rosenstein and Sessions, although their guidance and endorsement was influential. That's a very bad thing for you to include. Yeah. In also, this. not something he really needed to include. Like, no. You, you didn't need to write that. <laughs> yes, but then he takes, so he, he includes the portion where he says, and in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story, it's an excuse, blah, 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 that stuff that Trump said, where basically, like, Lester Holt's jaw fell off, because he's like, did you... Did you just say yeah, you that's did like, it? That's that we got him, right? We, yeah, we got him. Saturday that's Night Live skit, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he then includes when Trump said that he had suggested that an even longer investigation might be appropriate to uncover all the facts. That's just horse shit. If you've ever listened to Donald Trump talk, you know he just makes that shit up. Yeah. It's just complete. I don't believe that in the slightest. Yeah. Um, but he then says, quote, as the interview continued, Trump expressed his frustration that Comey had repeatedly told him that he was not personally under investigation, yet refused to make that information public by telling the truth. According to the president, Comey said it, said it once at dinner and then said it twice during phone calls. Despite Comey's reluctance to be honest with the American people, Trump made it clear that he never sought to halt the investigation. So, Trump has cleared himself. Yeah, and he, he put that in the public letter, remember, just to go back to this. He put <laughs> this in the public letter that, yeah. like, while I appreciate you clearing me three times on a personal call, like, come on, man. Yeah, and then he then says that the president insisted he did not ask that the Russia case be dropped, and to date, there is no evidence to the contrary. Well, to the date of the publishing of this book, maybe, to the yeah. date of everything else, <laughs> As you mentioned, there is a two-volume report available at your local bookstore. And please, go to your local bookstore. Don't go to Amazon. Local yeah. bookstores are struggling Bookshop, these Bookshop.org. Yep. Go check them out. Need to help support them. Otherwise, where are we going to get our books? Although That's I will true. admit that I, I generally order used books online because I'm not going to fucking buy these things brand new. Uh, but I figure they're coming from bookstores, right? They're coming from bookstores who are selling online. At least it's not directly from Amazon. I feel better That's about right. that. Yeah. And then... He puts another thing in here that he really shouldn't have, which was when the next day when Trump met with Sergey Lavrov and said, basically, 
I fired him because it got all the pressure off me from Russia. The Russia yeah. stuff. All that's gone now. And the quote. And the, Kislyak, who was yeah. also was involved with Michael Flynn. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Come on, man. You, and again, he hand waves it away. There's no reason to give a shit about what he has to say about it. But it's dumb that you put that in your book about this. And then yeah, he gets. You didn't, again, you didn't have to put that in. Yep. And then he continues on with just a few more instances where he's talking about, for example, when Trump dictated the press statement uh, about Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with uh, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya. I always have to, like, do a moment in my brain to, to put everything in an order before How I say that How do these syllables name. go together? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I have to spell it out, and then I got to— so, You can't uh, spell that name. <laughs> And we go through in Jarrett's legal analysis, of course, that wasn't obstruction of justice, and he's probably correct there, because it was just lying to everyone, not just lie, not lying to an investigator, which, like... Yeah, I thought it was that he said that he didn't know about it ever until the press reported it. That was the actual thing that people were annoyed about. Well, but... That, but what, he, he dictated the press statement, is the thing. So he lied about when he knew about it. And they felt that they had proof of the fact that he lied about when he knew about it. Right, but Trump was never, why that was controversial. But Trump never said that under oath or anything. No, no. So he just lied to everyone. No, but it was just it was another one of those where we thought it mattered that we'd caught him in a lie. Right, and that's the thing we've caught him in so many fucking lies, but it never fucking matters. Yeah. But in forty goddamn days, in forty goddamn days, Benedict, I'm gonna be out there socially distanced responsibly from everyone else watching the inauguration just saying na 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 oh you bet I, I bet you i bet you that's gonna start i bet you a chance gonna start but then the last argument he gets to before he gets to uh, the comey stuff again um is that and it, it, i mentioned this a little bit earlier uh that there's no way to obstruct a non-crime according Ugh, to greg jarrett which is just fucking wrong it's just plainly <laughs> fucking wrong. And as I mentioned before, it's still a fucking crime. To in it, it, the crime is obstructing the investigation. It doesn't have anything to do with what the investigation is about, although usually, you know, obviously the facts are related to that. But the crime itself is obstructing the investigation. And his bullshit about the already knowing that the Mike Flynn was innocent, all this nonsense, obvious bullshit, none of it matters. Now, we get on to the last section of this chapter, which is entitled Comey's Theft of Government Documents. And this is the point in the chapter where I went, I don't fucking care. Yeah, it's very boring. I don't think we should talk about this at all. He's just like, hey, stealing documents is maybe a crime and Comey maybe did it. So, yeah. Right. And that's, if you. That's the last seven pages of this chapter. And this is stuff that's been talked about so widely already. So, just again, uh, a minor primer on what happened, right? Uh, Comey, after all these meetings with Trump, wrote himself personal memos about the meetings uh, so we could have a contemporaneous uh, document that said this is what happened during these meetings. Um, and when he left the FBI, when he was fired, he had either had them at home or took them with him, whatever the case might be, and then eventually gave them who his, to his uh, law professor friend who gave them to the New York Times. Now, a lot of Jarrett's argument in this is going to be that, well, there could have been classified information in those documents and that it's a crime. That's a crime. If there was classified information in those. And he, again, has no evidence that there was classified information in those documents other than the screeching yeah. of a couple Republicans on Capitol Hill who screeched, yeah. what if there was? 
Um, and again, Which is incidentally not something anyone's ever, ever pressed Jim Jordan on. <laughs> because, uh... Yeah. And I will say, right, Benjamin Wittes, who I, again, I'll, I'll mention many times, he founded the Lawfare blog, which is a, a great website. Um, he is set, yeah, a personal friend of James Comey. He has said that, you know, he knew about the memos. Um, and so the law professor, I think, has also given statements that uh, Comey had not put any classified information into those memos. Um, there were, like, something about he had made redactions before he had given them away or rewritten them, something like that. So no classified information made its way from Comey to the New York Times or any reporters or anything like that. Uh, so that's just nonsense. The other part of it is just his argument that the memos themselves were government property because Comey was working for the FBI. That may be true. But the only thing I even want to talk about with regards to this last section of the chapter about Comey and the leaking of the documents is that, once again, Republicans care more about the fucking leaking than what was in the leaks. This yeah. is and, and it's because what's in the leaks is so fucking bad for them that the only strategy they have is to scream about the leakers and how the leakers are criminals. And this goes all the way back, again, to the Watergate days, where Nixon fucking hated leakers. That's why he had the plumbers whose job it was to stop fucking leaks. And every administration has leaks. This is how Washington, D.C. works. There are fucking leaks in this town. Because in a lot of cases, people just know reporters and they want to be the cool guy. They want to be like, hey, I know some shit. Yeah, you, want to, you want to hear some fun stuff? And in other cases, they just feel like there's actually a wrong that needs to be righted. And so they get to prosecuting people like fucking... You know, they're, so there there are leakers who are you know maybe nefarious in some regards, whatever. And there are people like Reality Winner, who I've reiterated a number of times, should not be in fucking prison. She should yeah. absolutely not be in fucking prison. It's a travesty that she's in prison. She needs to be fucking left out. And I have more mixed feelings about people like uh, fucking um, uh, Julian Assange, who. Mm. He put out documents in many cases that it was. He was important. a malicious actor, though, right? I mean, he, like, he is a malicious he, actor. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He put I, out yeah. documents that, in many what cases, it was important. Snowden, I have even more complicated feelings. I think okay, Snowden for one more thing is complicated a, than Assange. No I, no, I mean less, less complicated, less complicated okay. feelings. Snowden, I think, is a genuinely. Um, Hey, he's a weird fucking guy. He's a yeah. weird fucking libertarian guy who's just like, he's he's out there, dude. But he's also like, he he. I think he did the right thing. I really yeah. think he did the right thing. But on some level in my mind, I'm like, okay, there, there were vital national security secrets that fucking, I don't know how I feel about shit like that getting out. Like, I want to know that information. I want to know about that kind of stuff because I feel like the, the American public should know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's like the Pentagon Papers, right? It's exactly. Like, but know, I also feel like, man, this is fucking... We shouldn't, like, encourage people to leak shit like that. Like, we shouldn't no, have but no penalty. We, we should also we should also reform how we do classified information. Well, but I think because it's noted there's massively... no question that that was stuff that, you know, was classified sure. for no, the right No, that's reasons. true. But we also massively overclassify things as true. a bureaucracy. True. That's absolutely true. But, like, so what I'm getting at is, in the end... This demonization of leakers that goes back to Watergate and every fucking Republican administration, because generally when you're talking about Democrat administrations, the shit that gets leaked is more embarrassing than shit that gets leaked in Republican administrations, because Republicans are fucking incompetent know-nothings who are malicious as shit and are doing shit to benefit themselves. Like, and I, there, that kind of stuff does happen with Democrats, like, but Republicans are on a whole new fucking level with this shit. And they've been doing it for decades. They're like fucking... When I look at 
the kind of people who get political appointments in Republican versus Democrat administrations. I'm like, okay. And under Obama leading the Department of Energy, we had, oh, a fucking nuclear physicist who yeah. had fucking expertise in the areas. Under Donald Trump, we get fucking Rick Perry. Like this, who who said that the Department of uh, Energy was one of the ones that he would do yeah. away with if he could, yeah. When you put people like that in administrations, the shit that gets leaked is gonna be worse. It's just yeah. gonna be fucking worse because they're craven, know-nothing morons who are doing bad acts. Yep. And I want those leaks. I fucking want those Give leaks. Give them to me. All right, bring it home. All right, we'll bring it home. We'll bring it, but you know, I just, I just, I know you agree with me on this. I I know that you generally agree with me that we shouldn't be demonizing leakers in the way we should. And I know all administrations go after leakers, but the way that Republicans always, but Republicans blame all of their problems on the leakers, never trying, never addressing any of the stuff. Stop doing bad shit then. So we are leak stuff. We are at the end, and I will, as I always do, read the final paragraph, eh, paragraph and a half. In its entirety, which is, quote, Far from the image of an honest and honorable Boy Scout, the evidence is compelling that James Comey sought to mislead, deflect, and deceive. He also appears to have abused the powers of his office to exact punishment on the president who fired him. <laughs> not, that, not that he actually saw bad shit going on and wanted to do something. No, but it. also it's hilarious to talk about someone using their powers of their right. office to exact punishment exactly. on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the guy who fired him because he didn't yeah. like what he was doing. Uh, his plan to convert presidential memos for his own use, his own use, yeah. then leak them to the media to damage Trump suggests a willingness to defy rules, regulations, and federal laws with impunity. Perhaps Comey felt he could get away with it because he successfully engineered the appointment of his close friend Robert Mueller as special counsel to pursue potential charges against the president. End of chapter 10 of the Russia hoax. And we never even once in there made the comparison between Comey and Mark Felt, the guy who was deep throat. We never even once made that comparison in there. When obviously, I don't think Jarrett, I wonder what Jarrett would say about Watergate and the leaks from Deep Throat to Woodward and Bernstein. Now I really or do at wonder, the time? Now. Now. I wonder, yeah. because nobody can nobody can justify Watergate. Nobody defends Watergate, besides yeah. Roger Stone and idiots like that. But I wonder what Jarrett would say, and maybe I can find something about him talking about it. I'll see if I can find anything. I wonder what he would say about Mark Felt, who was the leaker. And I think what I, what I suspect he would say is he would claim all his usual bullshit that there was no crime in the Trump administration, nothing was wrong, and these were just people who were out to politically get Donald Trump, and so that's why it was wrong, and maybe admit there was something wrong with Watergate. I have no idea. But I suspect, I suspect he doesn't have a very good answer. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm just Googling a, 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 Greg, a new Greg Jarrett book. There's a follow-up. There's a the new Greg... Oh, I know there's a new... Wait, is there a new one, new one, or is there a new one last year? Because my dad got the the, the oh, no. follow up to this one last year for Christmas no, from my crazy aunt. Oh my god, it's five hundred and forty pages. Are you Witch shitting hunt. me? Witch hunt: the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Oh Christ! And this, you know, this is another good thing. I gotta say, uh, I have a crazy aunt, as most of us do, and uh, I I have long ago, I mean, like a decade ago, blocked her on Facebook because I don't want to deal with that. But <laughs> I luckily have a little brother uh, who is still apparently is friends with her on Facebook and occasionally sends me um, some of her posts, which get progressively crazier as this whole election thing goes on. And I got to say, I do. It is entertaining to watch your family members lose their goddamn mind. 
sucks. <laughs> as much as it's depressing to realize that, like, you know, half our country are a bunch of raving lunatics, it can also be entertaining at the same time. No, it's bad. It's just bad. <laughs> well, I can tell you're tired, Benedict, but thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. That's $4 a month. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the book we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Megan Ruth, Savia Kino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Terrified Will Be Pecked to Death by Lame Ducks. <laughs> Becky, are you still laughing at that? Yeah. It still gets you every <laughs> so time? funny. It's also just slowly coming true. So. I know, I know. But as I've told her, as I've told her, you gotta change it in 40-something days. You gotta yeah. change it. Becky, Scott Fairley, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. Thank you. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, who you gonna call? Goodbye. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. Without you, Grammar, this book club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com. <laughs>